Good evening and welcome to the Dungeon Musings Podcast. My name is Kevin Madison and I will be your friendly Dungeon Muser this evening. Uh, Tonight I'm going to be talking about um, the state of play, I guess, uh, and I'm going to be talking in general about uh, some plans uh, going forward. So uh, uh, we'll see. I finally found myself with an opportunity to record an episode and I had not given any forethought to what this episode might actually be about, so this may be a bit of a disaster, but we'll see. So here we go. So the first thing to talk about, I guess, is the um, follow-up to my, um, what do you call it, uh, to my degenesis uh, kind of uh, rant from before. So um, I have, uh, no, I've not run it again uh, since, but we are, we all have uh, kind of decided that we are going to play a little more of that game, which is great because I was really eager to do that, and I have had a chance to dive back into the game uh, quite a bit, and uh, I, yeah, like, you know, the... Um, it is really uh, the, the one downside, and I think I mentioned this in the last episode. The one downside to that particular game um, is that uh, you can't. It's very difficult to get um, you know physical copies of the game at a reasonable price. Um, the uh, for those who who may have missed uh, last episode or not have listened all the way through last episode, the Genesis is a post-apocalyptic game published by Sexmore Marco, which you can get for free uh, in PDF format on the degenesis.com, so it's like Genesis with a D-E in front, so degenesis.com. You can get free copies of all of the books that have been published to date for uh, the Rebirth edition going forward, which includes the cool new um, Artifacts book that uh, has just come out. And um, the, uh, yeah, look, it's, it, it has proved to be a popular game amongst my uh, group, but the difficulty of, so the way, the only way you can really get, um, you know, uh, copies of the core rulebooks in print from the, um, you know, from a, a primary uh, distributor is a box set called Vincit Omnis Veritas, which um, will run you uh, 200 euro or 199 euro, which is a little over 300 Canadian. And I, I don't know what the, it's going to be about 250 or 260 uh, American uh, in the equivalent. So, I mean, like, it's an expensive uh, endeavor, especially for a game that, um, it, it is such a very has a, such a unique vision, or at least a distinctive uh, vision and uh, expression that it's not something that you're going to run to do everything. You know, like it's not uh, it's not a universal system. The system itself is not really. Um, it, I like it for the I like the mechanics in the game, but it's not like it's you know the uh, the f- mechanics are so you know mind blowing in it that I would use it to run. Uh, everything like a like a universal system or something like that. Uh, I mean, you could hack the system, but you know, why would you do that when you can just use a system that does you know magic or like spell magic or whatever else better? The thing that really suits uh, to Genesis well is is the fact that it's it's a very good uh, system for that amazing setting. But anyway, the uh, so that's a you know that that's a thing that is um, I'm. Uh, I'm excited to uh, to explore uh, further, um, and it's been strange. I'm about two days post uh, gaming marathon now, so I had uh, the day after the gaming marathon. I took most of the day off, not all the day off. I worked half day for that. I took most of the day off just to uh, uh, to relax and, and catch my breath. Actually, no, it's not true. I didn't do any work that day. I think I answered one email, uh, and then yesterday I got work to a half day, and then uh, today is my first full day back at work. I mean, you know, uh, we're all working from home right now, so it wasn't really 
that much of a um, uh, you know that, that much of a transition. But um, I, in the time that I had uh, off, like the half day and the, and the other one, uh, I have almost completed reading, rereading a bunch of the sections of uh, the Genesis, and I'm yeah, I'm very very excited to get that done, get get that one back to the table again. But I've also sort of thinking about some of the other things, like my I've got some uh, charity sessions that I need to get done between now and the end of the year, and um, we've had a change. I, I don't think I mentioned in the last podcast we've had a change in the uh, charity campaign that we run. So regular list listeners will know that we have on the YouTube channel a charity uh, fundraising campaign that benefits uh, SOS Children's Villages International uh, that I call Heroes Save Villages. And uh, to date, we've raised uh, just shy of like $5,000 Canadian for uh, uh, for the organization, which has been fucking fantastic, like way greatly exceeding what I ever thought we, we would be able to do. Um, unfortunately, the I got an email on Friday just before the start of the gaming marathon yeah, letting me know that we were, um, uh, what do you call it? that? The, they were going to be shutting down the uh, the web portal, the server they were using to run their, uh, you know, their electronic uh, donations uh, or their their sort of their own programs or whatever. Uh, the thing that we had set up Hero Save Villages through that wasn't going to be their server anymore. But then when I actually went to the site, I realized like it wasn't that. It said they shut it down already, which was frustrating because I did have someone make a donation. Uh, the day before, and I didn't get a chance to go and check and see what it was. In addition, I lost contact with one of the guys who had donated with a, a really um, touching uh, tribute. He wanted to have a, a character introduced based on his um, his late wife. So, you know, I, I had not had an opportunity to get that introduced by the time that the thing went down. Thankfully, I heard from that guy, so that's great. So that'll be able to be introduced, but I, I don't know what the other person uh, wanted, so I, I've contacted them. It, but you know, I mean, I, I in these crazy times, I can't imagine. Um, you know, I can't imagine they're, they're working with an enormous amount of staff there. So if they just, you know, they didn't have an opportunity to tell everyone, that's not necessarily the end of the world. However, it's and it certainly won't change my, um, you know, my decision to support SOS Children's Villages International with our charity efforts. Um, but it just proved to be a bit of a, a pain in the butt, and it also meant that our annual uh, charity raffle uh, had to be postponed. So um, that was uh, unfortunate just because I I really was looking forward to getting that going on uh, June 1st and giving people two months to donate and whatever. Because last last year we raised uh, just about $1,800 Canadian for uh, for the charity. So it was a phenomenal uh, effort. And, And that was... Uh, when we had a third of the subscribers that we currently have, so I was I was hopeful that we'd blow that number out of the water. But you know what? It, it's all just a matter of uh, postponing and uh, uh, just scheduling it for another time. It doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means it's going to be happening at a different time. And it also, I, th- I think I'm on my way right now to go and pick up something from uh, my old residence uh, that uh, was delivered. And I think it might be something else that might be there for the raffle. Uh, so we'll have to see if uh, if that is the case indeed. Um, Apart from that, uh, you know, like having the uh, the gaming marathon done, uh, and you know, having the benefit of a couple of days uh, distance now. When I recorded the last episode, that was the day after the gaming marathon ended, so I was so quite burned out, uh, which probably came across in, in a lot of that podcast, or at least the second half of that podcast. But the 
uh, we had our first session uh, back to uh, night below uh, last night, um, and it was you know it, we're we're starting a new chapter in uh, in that section properly now. Uh, they we originally had uh, let's see here uh, originally that one was going to or that. Um, uh, the chapter, I mean, like it, I guess technically started a couple of sessions ago, but they they really fu- kind of met, saw what their challenge is going to be uh, now, uh, which is to say that it's a an entire uh, uh, Knoll army uh, that uh, they're gonna have to deal with, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the characters handle that. Uh, so, so that was pretty cool, and then then also uh, in um, in the time I had free, I had a chance to pull out some of the other games that uh, were also rans. In uh, for the gaming marathon, maybe that's what I'll talk about now. Is uh, I'll talk about some of the also ran some of the things that came very close to being the games I was going to run at uh, at the gaming marathon. So let's end this section here and, and carry on in a new one. So the um, the near misses for the Dungeon Musings annual uh, gaming marathon um, were to be honest, it was a lot of real difficult decisions. Uh, the uh, so the game that I did end up uh, running, obviously, was Degenesis. And, like, as soon as... Just like in almost every year past, as soon as I decided on it, I you know, there was a bunch of ones to uh, choose from. But as soon as I landed on that one, it just... It clicked. And I, uh, I, I knew it was the right one. Like, oh, of course this is what I was going to run. And that's just exactly the way it was for Degenesis. You know, I... Uh, it did end up being a lot of work to get it ready uh, to run, but it was 1,000% worth it. And what a terrific excuse to actually uh, prep that stuff. Uh, sorry, I had to stop up and get some coffee. Um, so the um, the things that, that were near misses were a bunch of uh, things that I have either talked about uh, or kind of posted about on uh, Twitter the last little while. And a lot of them are... are Games that I, I kind of I saw as I was packing up my you know my library and and getting going, uh, and it was I had sort of a uh, a, a series of sort of um, stages that let me clear away uh, options as I went. You know, one of the early options that I had was actually D and D fourth. I had seen a lot of people talking about D and D fourth in the last little while, and uh, I had been reading some of my stuff right after I moved in as well, uh, because I, I enjoyed, uh, fourth, like I, I had some really, really good times with the uh, fourth edition back in the day. So I had been, um, reading over a lot of my fourth edition stuff and sort of like theory crafting some stuff I could do with, uh, with adventures with it. And, uh, I, I thought, Oh, you know, this is, this is, uh, it, you know, it, it's a fun tactical game. We could just have a couple of really fun, interesting, you know, set piece, uh, combats in the game and, uh, use the existing characters, use versions of the existing characters from some of our other campaigns, you know, the Icewind Dale game or the um, Night Below campaign, and just, you know, just give the characters a contrast, give the, or the players a contrast, give some of those players who, who never had a chance to play 4th edition to get a chance to get it at the table, and, you know, those who uh, who did enjoy it uh, as well, too, or had some fun with it, give them a chance to, you know, shake the cobwebs off of uh, that edition and give it a try again. Um, and uh, I, I eliminated that one because... Not because it wasn't a good game um, necessarily, uh, part, but primarily because we're already playing a lot of fantasy as it is with the with the reworking of the um, what do you call it? The reworking of the 
uh, roster or, or the schedule, I should say, uh, due to the current crisis, I, uh, or at least the, the COVID crisis, if, if you're listening to this at a, at a point after uh, that has passed, uh, I, I didn't want to just run another fantasy. I wanted to give the guys a chance to have a break and myself a break from, from that. So that sort of ruled out some fantasy stuff, which meant one of my other top options too, which is uh, Simba Room, a dark fantasy game published by Free Liga or Free League and also by uh, Modifius. Uh, I, uh, I was, I, I really liked that game an awful lot. Um, but again, it, it felt, it didn't feel like it would be substantially, uh, you know, different from what we were running. It obviously would be. It's a different game. It's a different setting, different sensibilities. But I, I wanted to do something that was not uh, fantasy. So um, two of the other, well, two of the other options were uh, Champions Fourth Edition and Shadowrun Third Edition. Uh, now both of those have enormous. Uh, nostalgic ties for me or traction for me. Uh, Champions uh, fourth was my version of Champions. Like I, I started with Champions second, uh, but it was the fourth edition. The Big Blue Book is the one that I really I owned and and played the most. Like my like a lot of people, I, I've, I've come to learn my my copy completely fell apart because the binding was garbage in it. But that was also because of extreme use on my part. I just adored that game. It's such a cool. Um, yeah, it, it's the thing that really I I had loved. Uh, first fell in love with Champions with the uh, second edition and with Enemies, um, which I got at a bookstore when we were just about to go on a road trip, and it was just a happenstance that I came across this game, and my folks bought it for me. And so, fortunately, someone had actually slipped the Enemies. I, I have no idea whether the Enemies book, uh, the original Enemies book, actually uh, was inside the the box set or not, but. I got it, and uh, man, oh man, I just adored that game. Um, and then when I had an opportunity to get a hold of the fourth edition, which had this gorgeous uh, George Perez cover on it, with this massive, you know, uh, villain who you don't even get to learn who he is until the um, you know, if, until you pick up the uh, classic uh, or a classic enemies uh, book or the Day of the Destroyer book, you uh, you don't know it's Doctor Destroyer, but you know who the other characters are and. Um, I actually never, I didn't pick up a lot of other stuff for Champions. Like, uh, I didn't pick up any of the supplements for Fourth at the time. I have since gone crazy with it, and I've, I've really f- uh, fleshed out a collection of uh, Fourth Edition stuff, which has been really, really fucking cool because I, I never read this stuff back in the day. You know, um, I didn't come from a terribly, uh, you know, affluent family, so I, uh, you know, it was my own money I was spending on, uh, on the stuff, and there's a lot of gaming stuff that uh, was out there. So I, I never really um, got anything beyond just the core book. So that, but that book, man, like it just had a real special spot in my heart. And while I have run sixth edition uh, the last little while, I there's something about the more maybe it's the smaller point value, maybe it's a streamlined. Uh, it's not really streamlined rules. It's just it feels like the characters are less busy. Like it, the math in fourth edition is more complicated than what it is in sixth edition. Because if you're not familiar with champions and is a point by system where you're spending points to buy all of your attributes all the different elements about your character from you know your connections your standing in the community if you've got like a, a specific type of standing like you're a police officer or you're I don't know like a judge or whatever uh, if you're rich all that stuff you got to buy in addition to your powers in addition to your stats 
Uh, Champions up until uh, 6th edition has always had this kind of strange um, uh, artifact of its uh, early um, design where you have these things called uh, derived attributes. They, you still have to spend points on them, but the, the points are actually derived from other points that you're buying up. So there's a kind of a moving target element of the... Uh, um, of the calculation of, of point costs. So it can get a little complicated. I mean, I managed it when I was a kid, so it's not, you know, undo, undoable. It's just in 6th edition when they streamlined it and made all, there's no derived uh, stats. You buy all your stats. It made it a little, you know, a little easier to, to, to go. But that aside, you know, the actual, the, there, are, there are less stats in uh, in this edition than there is in 6th. In, uh, I can't remember if... Uh, fifth edition introduced the idea of ego combat value or mental combat value or not but in any event the um yeah the uh uh fourth edition just really had a real attraction for me and because i i had received so many of the new books or purchased so many of the new books for it as well i was really thinking like you know i could really do something cool i could run one of these adventures and um, I ended up deciding on no, partly because we had a rotating cast, partly because the game is a little... I don't know. I mean, I just... I, I, also, I honestly don't know if everyone would have enjoyed that game. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, the game is, is fairly crunchy, and, and to be honest, I, I didn't really have a good sense of what specific adventure I would run with it either. So, it... Um, yeah, so anyway, it, I... Uh, I ended up deciding not that, just because I thought that the if we did have any combat in it, that would chew up most of our sessions. And what ended up happening once I, I you know heard from everyone as to when they could play is that we were effectively going to have three different sessions. We're going to have one on Saturday morning, one on Saturday afternoon, and one on Monday. And there wasn't continuity with the players between any of those. So or it's not true. But there was one or two players I thought were going to be running throughout us. I was like, well, fuck, like, uh, how do I? I thought for a brief moment I was going to prep three different things and then run three different sessions, but that was crazy because there was going to be way too much work for me. Um, and also, I, I mean, it would just give like three bites at, at, at a thing that I don't think would be satisfying, so you wouldn't get a good enough length of, of time to play. In retrospect, you probably, we probably could have run a pretty good uh, Champions game, but it just at the time, I thought that uh, as soon as we got into combat, it would take so much of the time of the... You know, with explaining the rules and whatever, so I just didn't think it was a good, uh, a good choice. Um, I Shadowrun Third, I love, I love, love, love. It's my favorite version of uh, Shadowrun. I I like Fifth Edition. I, I haven't run a lot of Fourth, so I don't, um, I don't really have a lot to say about uh, about that. Um, but with um, Fifth Edition, I, I have everything for it. I, I've run it a couple of times, and it, it's a pretty good game, but it I feel like it is way more uh, complicated and has way more uh, way more things to keep track of than what 3rd does. And that could very well be just because I grew up with 3rd, and I've run 3rd for years and years, and for a long time, 3rd was my go-to game for, um, for running uh, Shadowrun, or for running uh, birthday sessions. You know, well before I ever had a birthday, you know, gaming marathon... Uh, thing I had, uh, I had my um, uh, what do you call? It? I had my uh, Shadowrun games. I'd get together once a year, and then that, I'd run that as my go-to Shadowrun Third. And uh, I, I was very, very close to running that. I had a, a couple. I had two different ideas for what to run with it, uh, for what to use for 
you know, what um, what adventures I was going to do, what characters. I even had characters made for everybody as well, too. Um, but I ultimately decided against it because I, I decided I wanted to try a post-apocalyptic game. I decided that, you know what, this is what I want to do, is do post-apocalyptic because I'll run Shadowrun for sure at another point. Um, and at the time, I wasn't certain if I would actually run uh, you know, uh, Degenesis a- after the first thing. Degenesis has a lot of stuff going for it, uh, but it, it is a very complicated setting and it's got some mature content and whatnot. So I honestly didn't know how my players would respond to that. So with some regret, not regret, but like with some reluctance, I, I set it aside and decided, well, that's not the one for me. So then it was going to be between a couple of uh, post-apocalyptic games. That said, I mean, I'm definitely going to get Shadow and Third back. And I think some of the reasons I like Shadowrun Third better than Fifth is that some of the some of the distinctions between the different um, char- the different uh, spellcasters in particular, and some of the differences between the um, the different ty- like parts of the game, they feel very distinct from one another, as opposed to just having like a, a much more unified. There is a unified kind of relatively speaking dice mechanic, but um, hacking feels or decking feels very different from. Um, rigging, which feels different from casting spells, and each of those areas do, you know, in the past, I felt that they were fairly complicated, but coming back to them now, they feel very, very, very manageable. So I'm not really, you know, I'm not as worried, and I I really, really like the idea of dice pools, because in that game, that has, it has different um, dice, uh, an idea of not dice pools where you're pooling your dice together to make a roll. They are um, a refreshable pool of things you can draw on to modify your actions, be it spell casting, combat, decking, rigging, whatever. And it's just kind of a neat risk reward kind of mechanic that allows you to, you know, kind of go all out or go defensive or whatever. So I just, I was really, really, really excited to get the game back to the table. Also, like, recoil rules and stuff like that feel a lot more manageable in this than they do in other games. So, I, like, having a kind of a fun, exciting run-and-gun situation felt more doable with third, with uh, people who aren't, you know, don't aren't completely um, immersed in the, in the setting and game uh, as opposed to fifth. Uh, so... Um, yeah, so anyway, so that was, um, uh, those were some of the ones that were non-post-apocalyptic that were close calls. Let's talk about the ones uh, that were post-apocalyptic close calls. So the post-apocalyptic games that uh, were on the list of potential games uh, included um, Twilight 2000, which was actually a very close uh, to being the game I ran a few years back. Um, for uh, a gaming marathon, uh, and uh, Savage Rifts, which I've, I've only run once so far. Uh, if you're not familiar with Rifts, Rifts is this kind of uh, multi-genre kitchen sink. So it's not really a multi-genre, it's a multi-universal kitchen sink, gonzo, post-apocalyptic setting for uh, that was originally published for uh, the Palladium system by Palladium Books. I was a big fan of it when I was a kid, and then couple years back, um, Savage Worlds, or Pinnacle, uh, published a Savage Worlds version of it. And it was really good. Like, really, really good. I just, uh, I've always had uh, difficulty picturing what that world was like. So, uh, I, I didn't really get it back to the table. But recently, they, the 
newest edition of the Savage Rifts uh, stuff came out in conjunction with the newest edition of Savage Worlds. And it looked, not only did it have the same you know, reprints of the great books before to be compliant with the newest edition, but also uh, four new books. Uh, so all of which have tons of great stuff in it. So that was a, a strong contender. And I think that was, that was all of them. And then, of course, uh, Degenesis uh, as well. I briefly considered running uh, uh, Deadlands Hell on Earth because I have had fun with that before uh, using uh, Savage Worlds. That's the post-apocalyptic version of the uh, Deadlands uh, universe. But I, I set that one aside because I figured if I was going to go big, uh, you know, go home and run Savage uh, Rifts instead. Um, but uh, so Twilight 2000, I actually sat down and I reread uh, the, uh, the core mechanics of the game. And I reread the, uh, gosh, what else did I read? I read reread the core mechanics and I reread one of the adventures uh, that I was going to run for it as well. And um, I, I liked it a great deal. Uh, but I, I realized, I think I came to the same conclusion that I did before um, as far as the adventure goes, which is that I've got no guarantee that we're going to get to the interesting stuff. The previous year's gaming marathon, I had... I wasn't dissatisfied necessarily. Well, that's not true. I really was a little dissatisfied with how it sort of played out because we didn't actually get a chance to see anything really of interest happen in the, you know, in the actual adventure. And to be honest, I mean, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm grateful that we're going to keep playing Degenesis, you know, uh, for a little longer, but we didn't get a chance to see that uh, play out either, you know. So uh, when we... Uh, even though we did play quite a bit of uh, time in it, we didn't see the end of the adventure. And that's partly... Well, I guess the thing is, the di the difference between this particular year and the previous year... Previous year, I ran Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, and I found that it wasn't a uh, satisfying resolution or satisfying uh, campaign. And the reason was, was just because we didn't actually get to the... We didn't get to the meat of what I thought makes that game really good. And the... I mean, we had, I think we had some good sessions. Some of the people were converts to um, Ash, so, so that's good. Uh, but I think that the, the feeling was, at least I felt, that I didn't get a chance. Like, it's the play over time. It's the simplicity of, of system and the, uh, the joy of kind of emergent play because you're focusing on what's happening in the campaign as opposed to what's, you know, what you're designing for your character build and stuff like that. That's the stuff that makes that game so much um, better or stronger uh, than, uh, say, you know, your average D&D uh, &D game. And I, uh, yeah, so I just, I, I, I was, I'm not dissatisfied with the way that this one worked out, um, but I felt that if Twilight 2000, we wouldn't get to the meat of what I thought was cool about that game. We wouldn't get to the point where we see, you know, the, uh, um, I guess it, the impact of spending all that time um, looking for supplies, and you know that this, the the dramatic impact of the uh, survival game, and so because of that, I uh, that one was set aside. Also, I mean, I read I reread the uh, rules, the combat rules for it, and it's very very complicated and it's very lethal. And part of the fun for that game, I think, would have been generating the characters. So. Ah, I just, you know, with the way that the campaign was split up with uh, three different groups of people, we weren't going to get that good continuity, so, and I certainly wouldn't get it in a, uh, a five-hour session. You probably could, just the adventure I had in mind was one called Black Madonna. That's just a particularly cool uh, 
uh, it's, it's a cool campaign that has a little bit of, um, it's got a MacGuffin in it, and it puts the characters in an interesting position, but for that one to pay off, not only do they have to actually get the MacGuffin, which is a fun adventure in and of itself, they also have to figure out what to do with it, and to do that, you need to have an understanding of the setting, and you need to have an understanding of the particulars of the politics of the, of the region, and that would not have been a, not impossible, particularly with a rotating cast. Uh, so, so yeah, so I decided that one wasn't, uh, wasn't going to go. And then I was thinking about Savage Rifts and what I came down to in that is I, I was very, that was another one that was fairly close as well too. I didn't get to the point where I made actual characters the way I did with, uh, Shadowrun Third, or had picked out sort of rough ideas of what people would play with as I did with, uh, Champions Fourth. But I did have rough outlines, you know, I had a rough idea of what each character would sort of be, and the reason I decided against it, I think was really only when, it's because uh, to Genesis, I could more easily visualize what that world was like, you know, as opposed to the other. Also, it was free, the books were free, so I could I could share the PDFs without, uh, without worry, um, whereas uh, Savage Worlds and none of that stuff, I'm not even sure, I think there's a, there's a quick starter, but I mean, it certainly isn't for, for Savage Rifts, which requires at a minimum, the new, you know, the Adventure Edition core book, plus the, um, well, actually, it's not true, you don't necessarily need each of them to play, but, I mean, if the players wanted to pick up the stuff afterwards, uh, I don't know, I just, if it was partly the, the fact that Genesis, I could share the full books with, with, uh, the players, guilt-free and expense-free, and I could, uh, also, uh, I had a better idea of what the world of uh, Genesis would look like, as opposed to Savage Rifts, I, I would more easily, even though it was really complicated, and even though I had to do a lot of work to uh, to suss out who, you know, what uh, the different factions were, and try and get it clear in my head to be able to present to the players, that still was an easier walk than to try to figure out what, you know, what the, the world of Savage Rifts was going to look like. Um, Savage Rifts is... Has a it's interesting because I was, I was talking to some friends afterwards about it, and the thing that's amazing about Savage Rifts is is the characters. The, the character creation in Rifts um, was always kind of crazy and fun because the way that you that particular game worked was a class based game. So you'd be making different um, you pick a it's called occupational character class or a racial character class, and uh, that would you couldn't multi class or anything like that. You just that was the class you stuck with, and it dictated what abilities you got, how you advanced over time and what skills you had to choose from. So, you know, you would make your character, and, uh, yeah, and then um, the uh, the part of the fun of that was just the staggering variety of uh, crazy characters. You know, I, I mentioned it's a gonzo setting. It really is. You could have the same group could have a, you know, an aging or um, a Im immature um, dragon. You could have a cyber knight. You could have a guy driving a giant pilot. Giant uh, robot uh, suit could have a dwarven alchemical smith, uh, and it could have a uh, mutant dog, you know, uh, uplifted, uh, all in the same party, and that's just part of the crazy fun of the of that game. Savage Worlds does a even better job, I think, of it because not only do you have uh, a, an easier, I think, like. This is just a personal preference thing, but I prefer the Savage Worlds uh, setting and, and rules to the Palladium rules. I think they're a more solid uh, set of rules. They certainly move a lot faster. 
uh, and you have a huge amount of different uh, setting books you can draw from. If you've got a multiversal setting where you can throw anything in, um, having access to a shit ton of other, uh, you know, of, of other uh, settings, like the Deadlands books, like the, you know, uh, Flash Gordon, uh, Flash Parsec, like tons and tons of great setting material you can draw from. It gives you a huge amount of stuff to uh, to incorporate into your campaign. And it also, uh, the way that they handle this idea of, uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain it in like an in-fiction kind of way, but uh, the Palladium version of Rift has this concept called Mega Damage. And basically what it is, it was to distinguish high durability, advanced, either advanced um, materials or, cause, I mean, to be honest, that's what it started with because it started with the Robotech game. And it was to distinguish things that were just made tougher uh, or so tough that they couldn't be affected by weapon, like um, regular scale weaponry and things like that. So like uh, you could, the example, the classic example they give in the book is you could sit all day firing a 45 pistol at a, uh, a tank or an Abrams tank and you would never uh, do anything more than just scratch the paint. Um, you contrast that with the, uh, or rather that's, that's the idea they took and then is writ large with this idea of mega damage. You could not, normal damage couldn't affect a mega damage structure. And then Rifts, they, they expanded that concept out to supernatural creatures. And mega damage had a hundred times the effect of what uh, standard damage was, which meant that if you had mega damage weapons, they scaled up so big that, you know, you could blow a hole in the side of a house with a really shitty uh, mega damage laser pistol. Something that couldn't take down a mega damage uh, target without, you know, a huge amount of time and changing clips and shit like that. So, like, in the scale of that mega damage combat, it wouldn't do a lot of damage. But in comparison to standard uh, structure things, they called uh, SDC, um, then it would just be vaporizing them. So it, um, I knew, and it was always a weird bit of mechanics that had a strange consequence in game, but Rifts, or not Rifts, um, Savage Worlds has this concept of heavy things, which just means that if you have heavy armor or if you have uh, heavy damaging weapons or the things with a heavy quality, it can only affect heavy things, or rather it can affect heavy things. So like a... Uh, military scale weapon uh, may have uh, like a cannon or something like that may do a certain amount of damage and it has the heavy quality it means that it can actually affect something that's got a heavy armor and that's how how uh, Savage Worlds uh, deals with it and it's sort of a, a necessity in Savage Worlds because uh, exploding dice are a thing across all elements of play in that game both task resolution and damage so you could in theory roll enough damage with a gunshot to, to to destroy like the enterprise you know and uh but getting the way to get around that is just to have this heavy mechanic well because that was in there already that was an easier way to manage the whole idea of mega damage structure without having to introduce any kind of weird scaling uh damage thing that would ruin the math and would otherwise you know make things kind of crazy so um it allows you to have be rolling a reasonable amount of dice, but also allow a distinction between mega damage structures and otherwise. So it's just, it's just a solid, you know, it's a solid decision for how to mount model that. And I, I like it a lot better than I do the rules in Palladium. And just, like I said, just like in the original one, you can make some amazing characters in there. Huge variety of the characters. 
Uh, they're extremely exciting, and the way that you make the characters, there's a fun kind of random element for most of the character classes as well, where you're rolling on tables to get other things like situational, you know, like things from your background that will be skills or equipment or whatever. So it's a really, really great thing that makes exciting characters. However, I, for one, I, I still, I had a hard time picturing what that world was like, and I wasn't confident. The few times I've run Savage Worlds in the past, when I've gotten into situations where I've had fairly large combats, it's really, it really has bogged down, and partly because I fuck up and, and don't run the, the thing properly, um, and I really didn't want to have that happen again, was that, you know, me make a, a wrong assessment for how the, uh, how the damage should be scaled, or how the combat should go for, uh, you know, uh, for those types of, uh, or for that game, that, uh, uh, session. So, partly because of unfamiliarity with the setting and the, um, uh, partly because I, I really, I didn't have necessarily a really good idea for an, an adventure, and because also the Genesis was just a more attractive uh, setting for me, it was more, I guess the other thing was, as wild as the characters were in uh, Rifts, and as fun as it's going to be when I eventually uh, run that, um, I felt like the players would get more into the actual characters and get into their heads in the Genesis than they would because they're playing relatively, I mean, they're playing real people effectively. The, the rules in the, in the game will treat them like real people, you know, as far as like, uh, um, the difficulty of tasks are and their ability to, you know, encounter violence and come away, uh, what the consequence of that violence will be on them. It is closer to what real life is like. So, I think it would make for a more... I was closer to the feel that I wanted from that particular session. So, uh, so yeah, so I went with... Uh, I went with the, the Genesis over that. Since that time, I actually... Like, last night, I, uh, I finished up work, so I, I took some time to uh, work on uh, messing around with uh, Savage Worlds Adventure just to try to get to, you know, get a sense of what character building is like and, and how the dice roll out for it. Uh, particularly in superhero scale, because I've run, I've messed around with the superhero or the superpower companion before, not with this current edition, but the previous edition, and I've run one session of it, and it was really, really, really fun. I gotta like it. It's a real nice kind of sweet spot between the freedom to generate whatever you want uh, that you can in um, in other uh, superhero like modular superhero role playing games like. Champions, or like um, Mutants Masterminds, or DC Heroes, or uh, DC Adventures. DC Heroes, you can build your own character as well, too. So it's it's partly uh, that that it was it was I, I like the modularity. Um, it's also that every time I've run Savage Worlds in the past, I've had a lot of fun. The only exception to that being when I ran uh, I ran a game of uh, Savage Worlds based on the Destiny. Uh, or set in the world of the Destiny role play or video game, that one didn't go terribly well. But that's where I had just really misjudged the scale of combat and things like that, and I just didn't do a very good job of uh, of running the game. So the combats felt really chaotic, in the sense that I wasn't I wasn't doing a good enough job of managing the uh, the rules. So uh, and Rifts was going to be a similarly kind of wahoo, lots of targets and shit like that. So really didn't want to run into that problem again. But um, for the superheroes one, though, it's 
yeah, the the other, I guess then the thing that I liked the most about the uh, supers thing was that once you got your PowerPoints, uh, unless you use an option to to run what's called a Rising Stars campaign, where you start with a certain amount of PowerPoints and then you can gain more as you go over the campaign, your character really doesn't see their powers change. And I, um, I mean, it, it doesn't mean you're you're trapped in what you with just what you can. Uh, you know, what's on your character sheet when you start playing, because you do have um, some, there's some really, really good rules for improvising powers, for stunting powers, and using them to trick opponents and things like that, so, like, there's lots of freedom and opportunity to uh, to improvise with the powers, so you're not just, you know, stuck with what's on your character sheet, but at the same time, you, the game doesn't become about investing more points to getting a more powerful blast or a bigger punch or things like that. You still gain XP and you still see your character change, but the way they do that is the way that normal Savage Worlds characters do. They gain XP, you'll, you know, get, increase your skills, you'll increase your feats and things like that, and um, Savage Worlds has a similar style of uh, experience points advancement to what other, you know, what other games that I've really enjoyed are with, where I don't need to worry about, event, you know, awarding too many XP. Players get a steady flow of XP, which allows them to get a steady, a bunch of uh, new and interesting abilities, um, without breaking the game, you know, by by virtue of uh, of characters occupying a different class of power than what they did at the start of the campaign. I, I tend to run fairly slow burn campaigns anyway, and this allows me to um, that that game allows me to, to not worry about. Uh, making the players feel like they need to wait until they get their stuff. So, uh, so anyway, so that's um, yeah, that is the uh, for for that reason. I guess I, I went back to, to look at it, and I'm feeling more confident to uh, to run Savage Worlds, and I'm I'm fairly confident I'm gonna really enjoy the shit out of it when I run it. the The game is just the my concern um, with the game. Uh, is the only really the swinginess because of the exploding dice thing? I've had a couple times where I've run it in the past where the it just it feels like the results are so um, ridiculous that it feels like you know um, it breaks the suspension of disbelief uh, in in whatever setting you're running. But there's some pretty good optional rules in the new edition that get around that kind of stuff. That, that where you can just set caps at how many raises or how many what the difficulties are or what the consequences are of um you know of, of really big dice results so that that makes me yeah it's similar to the heavy uh, rule where it's it gets around one of the problems of having uh, exploding dice so yeah so i'm i'm pretty excited about that um while you know of, of the four or so games that i uh you know, I looked at strongly to uh, as candidates for the gaming marathon. Um, fourth edition, I don't know. I mean, fourth edition is definitely going to be fourth edition D and D. I mean, is definitely going to be lower on the list for me uh, to get to the table. Um, Champions is probably a little lower, and only because I. So this is maybe a bit of a, a different side, but when I was sitting down to uh, to sort of to mess around with uh, uh, champions or savage worlds. I also rolled out some champion stuff. And the one thing that I find with 
uh, champions, which is unusual, is that because the game is so simulationist, which is to its strength when you're playing, you know, a, um, a, a tough character or a superheroes versus superheroes. There's a fun, you know, you're able to have an actual, you know, fisticuff or, or fun, you know, uh, tactical encounter. But because of the um, the really simulationist bent of the game, and because of the there isn't a distinction really in the game between NPCs and PCs. Uh, or rather, like you know, minions or and and villain bosses, the you know minions, the um, lackeys that that serve the supervillains have as much detail on their character sheet as what the supervillains do. Now they may not have as much stuff on it in terms of their powers and things like that, and the numbers may not be as high. But I ran through using fourth edition one of the characters out of the book, uh, fighting some some um, minions, and like it was taking three hits to take down minions. And part of the way, that's just because of the way the character was built. You know, that, that particular character was... Some of the characters in that, um, in that edition were built suboptimally in the sense that they weren't built to the maximum amount of, uh, of damage and whatever that they could, uh, could have. Um, and that's, uh, that's fine because that's, that's, you know, that happens in a lot of, uh, of role-playing games where they've got sample characters they're built suboptimally or, or whatever. Um, but even if I was playing with a character, like one of the things I don't like about some of the characters from the newer editions, and one thing that I think that Mutants and Masterminds 3rd and DC Adventures, and I think this started with Mutants and Masterminds 2, is the idea of the balancing between different things, uh, defenses and offensive, uh, defense and offense. Um, in DC Adventures and Mutants and Masterminds, they do this interesting thing where you balance between uh, your your defense and your offense, or not your defense, your offense and your damage. So the the chances of success and the damage has to equal a certain amount or less. And similarly, the difficulty of being hit and your actual defenses that has to fit in the same band as well too. And you can dial it up and dial it down so your character is you know more agile, harder to hit, but takes hits less uh, well. Um, you know, like a uh, Batman-type character, or a character who's easier to hit, but can suck up hits really well, like, say, a Ben Grimm or a, a Thing-type character. There isn't really that tension in uh, uh, in uh, Champions. So what you end up with is a, a game where, uh, at least in 5th edition and 6th edition, pretty much everyone has their whatever abilities they've got like their offensive abilities are bought to the max so like every character will do 12d6 damage say if that's the max so it's 60 points you can spend on something um and that's a little not a little that's quite boring right like when everyone does the same amount of damage um it's kind of boring uh, and like some characters may be more difficult difficult to hit and some characters may have uh you know, more defenses, but when the net effect is always the same, it, I don't know, it feels kind of bland uh, because everyone's rolling about the same. Characters who are more powerful than the, than the median will be, you know, uh, or the average will be uh, rolling more dice, and, and those who are less will be rolling less dice, but there's a real suboptimal, I don't know, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird bit of, um, thing that sort of, that put me off about, uh, 
uh, fifth edition uh, to start with, and it seems like it's it's this still the case in uh, sixth, is that you know characters that are built to a certain scale they always have the same amount of damage. Um, what I I mean the reason I went on go on about this is because if that's the only way you get around that you have to have heroes at a superhero scale do twelve dice of of damage every time in order to properly model the expectation that they can punch their way or shoot their way or blast their way or mind blast or whatever their way through um, minions, uh, then, I don't know, Like then there's not really a decision that's being made for building your characters. You may build some permutations on those powers, but ugh, it just, it, it feels like, um, it felt like the, the, it, there was a problem with the, that modeling, what my expectation was, you know, namely that they would be able to punch their way through Heroes, and I mean, I guess, are punch their way through uh, agents. But that's what led me to thinking about the, you know, building those same characters in Savage Worlds. And that definitely, once I built those characters and put them against comparable adversaries and rolled through a couple things, it's way closer to what I was expecting. You know, the the heroes are just in a different class from what those those minions are. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't mean that necessarily that's a uh, um, an irreparable strike against champions. It just means that if for one, the, the, expect, the experience at the table for champions is going to be different than that cinematic, you know, hero jumps down and gets, you know, deals with a whole bunch of minions all at once. Now, I don't doubt that the hero could have dealt with those, all those minions in time. It just, it would have taken a lot longer. And those minions had a terrible chance of actually affecting the hero, which is consistent with what it was in Savage Worlds and what I expect in the fiction. But it meant that the... Uh, it just took a lot longer, and if it's taking longer, I guess the the question is is for myself is 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 that affecting the pace of play, and is that fun longer or is it tedious just because you're having to drop these guys down? You know, is is there a drama that's coming from fighting these minions that's taking as long as it does? It, and in fairness, it's not going to be as long as it is with like master villains and such. But uh, Anna, hey, stop that! Get, no, get it, leave it. Sorry, my dog is eating the bushes. Anyway, I just went on a really weird tangent there about uh, Champions 4th Edition and, and uh, the uh, Savage Worlds Supers, but I guess that's that's my long way of saying that. I don't know what's champion, getting Champions 4th back to the table. I, I just don't know if it will... If the play experience that I want is what I'm going to get out of that game. You know, the the character building side of Champions 4th and the sensibilities in the in the characters and stuff like that and reading the source books has been an, an enormous amount of fun. I'm really enjoying that. Uh, I just don't know if what the... when the rubber meets the road and we run that game at the table, whether that's going to give me the, the experience that I want, you know. So... Uh, yeah. Um, so that one I don't know about. Savage Rifts... For sure, I'm going to get to the table. I, I, I think it's a really fun game. I think it's got some cool uh, concepts in it. And I think the characters will be a shit ton of fun to play. Um, and Shadowrun 3rd, definitely. Uh, likewise, I think the, the game is, is really great. I think that there is uh, some really interesting characters you can play. And I think that uh, task resolution that I'm, I'm going to assume is going to go fairly quickly, at least no slower than it is in, in our AD&D games. And I'm not as concerned, but I, I think that that one, it'll be interesting to see 
how um, my expectation of the cinematics meets up with the actual game. And, you know, it's not to say that, that Champions 4th is going to be, like, never uh, at the table. I, I think uh, it just means that I need to be aware of what I'm going to be experiencing at the table. Like, what, what am I going to what the game will actually be modeling and not describe the, the fiction differently, you know? I've described it in a lot of ways as, every time I've run Champions in the last little while, as closer to the experience of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as opposed to the, uh, like, the cartoons or the comics. And the reason I say that is because it feels tangible, you know? It feels those rules really, in their heavy simulationist bent, give it a very weighty kind of tactile feel to them. And I, I, maybe I forgot that that's how they did. So if I am going to, what I wouldn't do is have hordes of minions that the players are going to, you know, bash and fight and slam their way through because that's going to be fairly tedious. You know, um, what I would do is have a, if there is a fun scene that I've got in my mind of the players taking on a small group of them, um, I'll just be aware that there, it's, it may take a little while to make sure it's it's an interesting combat, but to expect that the players will be able to you know triumph uh, and come out on top of these uh, of these thugs you know in uh, in the end. So um, so anyway, that's that's the uh, the second batch of also rans. Let's get to the outro. So that brings us to the end of this episode. It's not again a, not a topic focused episode. Uh, I'm gonna. Try and find a, uh, come up with something for the next episodes, so it's not just me rambling about uh, games. Uh, but uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, as always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns regarding this, the episode, please do not hesitate to shoot me a voice message on Anchor, or you can reach me on Twitter at Dungeon Musings. Uh, you can also shoot me an email. My email address is dungeonmusings at gmail.com, and you can... Uh, find me and a bunch of other really cool folks on the Dungeon Musings Discord server as well, too. Uh, a link to which you can find in the description of any of the recent videos on our YouTube channel. So, anyway, otherwise, thank you so much for uh, uh, listening. I hope that you've uh, enjoyed hearing the also rants for the gaming marathon and uh, a little further about the, uh, the Genesis game. Uh, I hope that this finds you healthy, safe, and weathering the current crisis as well as can be expected. And until I talk to you again, happy gaming.